0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And with the Rockets hiring M.A. Udoka, it's the perfect time to bring in our Rockets expert, Frank, from Rockets Chop Shop. Good to see you, Frank, and with some real optimism for the first time in a while. That's nice. You know, I'm curious, uh, from your standpoint, was Udoka your number one pick from their candidates? Because Vogel and Nurse Not bad options either.
1: No, not really. I'm not going to lie and say he was, but he was definitely up there. I had him in the same tier as Nick Nurse, who was my number one pick. And the reason I thought Nurse would be a great fit is because um, he has a longer track record of being an NBA head coach. All we really know about Udoka as far as his track record as a head coach is what that one year we saw in Boston. And Boston is a ready-made team um, that had guys that were already pretty much on their way to becoming you know, all NBA, all-stars, defensive player of the years and whatnot. So for our young guys, I thought you know Nurse would be a great guy. We've seen him develop a lot of the talent in Toronto, but I am not displeased in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I think in some ways Udoka is a better fit uh, because of the age of our players, and I think he has probably has a better chance of connecting with our players on a level that he can push different buttons that maybe Nurse was not able to pick. But now I'm, I'm I'm super excited. You know, I almost shed a tear. It was it was to me, this is like the most competent thing that we've done um, probably in the entire <laughs> since, probably since Tillman bought the team. So, <laughs> um, you know, I'm definitely happy that they were able to get you.
0: Yeah. I want to speak to one of the things that you brought up in just a second, but I want our YouTube viewers to get in the comments, tell us what you think of the Rockets new head coach too. And Frank, it's easy to say mm-hmm. the Celtics had a lot of talent when Udoka took over there, but people forget they were a
1: 500 team the year before yeah. he arrived. Yep, yeah, they were a lost, lost souls. Um, you know, if you, you guys remember the context of what that team was coming out of with the whole Kyrie thing. And, and I think what I think he kind of alluded to it a little bit when he was describing uh, what the uh, the dynamics on the team was, which was everybody thought they were that guy. Right. You had Marcus Smart at that point, still not really buying into that, that point guard, uh, set the table role and be a, a defensive player. He was really taking a lot of bad shots and he still does. But. Back then, I don't know if people remember, Marcus Smart was a real hot topic in the, with the Boston fans. The Jalen versus Jason uh, thing, the, a lot of the fan base in Boston wanted one of them, uh, Jalen Brown, traded away. They just seemed very redundant and there was no hierarchy. Sounds familiar, guys? You know, Brad Stevens is a great X and O's coach. And he, to me, he's very, very much like, I, almost, I call him uh, uh, White Steven Silas, right? Because they have a lot of basketball knowledge in their brain, but. He's soft-spoken, and to be a head coach, to me, you have to be able to push certain certain buttons, especially when you're dealing with younger stars, younger athletes, and he just couldn't get them there. And the thing that Ime did, then this is why I said the fit for us is much be better. He challenged every single player. I mean, I've seen Ime Udoka cuss out Jason Tatum on the sideline of the games multiple times. When he's on the in the timeouts, everybody is fixed right squarely on him, and he commands a certain respect when he speaks. And it just, to me, those are the type of coaches that you want to lead, you know, young men into battle. And what he did, he changed the culture over there. You know, he made guys fit into hierarchy. Marcus Smart became the defensive player um, uh, of the year, really under his tutelage, took a step back as a player and said, you know what, I'm not the best player. Jalen Brown accepted the role of being a secondary player to Jason Tatum, who became a top five MVP candidate while he was there. And they've all, if you go through interviews on YouTube, you can hear the players say what I'm saying. Like, he helped them all tremendously, just understanding who they are and where they fit in the construct of a team. So I think that's the biggest thing. I don't think we're the Rockets are at the point right now where X and O's matters that that much. We need to build foundational um, principles and structures. And I think Emei is the guy that's going to do that for us.
0: I I, want to give you this quote here. uh, Youth is not an excuse. Oh, man. That's not... that's not me. That's not over. you. that That's Ime Udoka. That's not the two of us yeah, talking really. like we have been in the last five months. That's Imei
1: Udoka this week. I, I almost fell over in my chair, man. That quote stuck out, beaming neon lights. That quote is anti-everything we've heard for the past two years. How many press conferences have, have Rockets fans sat and heard Coach Silas say that, oh, we're just young? It's because we're young. We have the youngest team. I hated that. How many times do we hear Ryan Hollins talk about how young the guys were? How many times did AT&T Sportsnet post a graphic? The Rockets are the first, like, that stuff is not wild. Uh, OKC is is just as young as we are. I think we're, we were older than them by like six months. Is out there, you know, making a playoff push. It's It's always been an excuse. It's always been a cop out. And I'm glad that he just shattered that whole narrative from jump. Like, we cannot use that because... It doesn't, like, this is not, the NBA is not a daycare. You're not trying to raise children. This is a competitive league where every single team is equally supposed to be as competitive as each other. If you keep saying they're young, younger, then get older players, right? This is a competitive league, right? So we can't use any excuses because at the end of the day, your goal is to win a championship wherever you are in that journey. So for a coach who's supposed to be building championship character in these players to keep giving them excuses, I, I even heard Jalen Green use that after a game one time that we're young and we're learning. Like, I don't want my players saying that. That's crap. So, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, like I said, man, Imei has won me over. I'm ready. I'm excited. And I think that it's going to be a culture shock for a lot of our players, what they're going to experience under his coaching than what they were experiencing under Stephen Silas. Let's get your thoughts on the press conference itself. Was there anything that
0: Udoka said that caught your ear, Rafael Stone? Anybody say anything that really
1: caught your ear? You know, I like Tillman. I think 99% of the press conference he did was good, rambled on uh, randomly. Uh, but I think to me, it was not really specific. I mean, he may have said all the right things. Obviously, they brought up the question about what happened in Boston. From what I've got gathered, this is it was an HR thing. Like, it's not criminal or anything like that. I think people are getting a little too pious in their way they're approaching this. He had an affair. Uh, you know, his company that he was working for took care of it. Just like any of us have a job, we have inappropriate relationships, at work you get fired the question you know if you're mad at him because uh you don't want a guy that had an affair to be your coach then you know okay that's that's if that's your ethical standard that's cool but all this like people acting like he shot somebody like let's not do that okay so i'm glad they addressed that and he pretty much spoke to all the things he was doing but to me the biggest thing that stood out in the press conference was how stone didn't really talk as much and and the reason i'm contrasting it with steven silas's press conference where stone interrupted to answer a lot of questions on behalf of Steven Silas, which m- might have been a, a, a foreshadowing of, of what that tenure was going to be between the two of them. Ime was the presence in the room he took front and center. That's That presence I was talking about earlier, that's a, that's a, that's a trait. It kind of made Stone and uh, Tillman spoke up a little bit more, but Stone was in the background where he belongs as a general manager. is a star, and for our team, we don't have a star right now. And if you're going to have a young team that you're learning how to build if you don't have a star that coach needs to be that person that fills that void and i think he checks that box and he just that presence he had in that press conference rafael stone was in the side where he belongs he wasn't the one answering all the questions they weren't splitting the time and i think to me that that's what i want to see for my head coach you see the same thing with Demico ryan's with the texans there's a certain thing that these guys bring and uh, yeah so um, I you know, they said all the right things. I think Stone said some things. Tillman, you know he said a lot of a lot of things that I'm excited about, but overall, I just think e. um presence in the room was was where I really took away in contrast to what Steven stylus was like.
0: Yeah, just real quick on Tillman's, you know, you, you got to forgive if you're a Christian person and that's it's true, you know, and I thought the way he said everything around that, if it's you listen to it in context. There's nothing wrong with what Tillman said. And this guy didn't kill anybody. This isn't Bill Cosby out there doing stuff. Or Sean Watson or (laughs) anything
1: like that.
0: Yeah. I think there's more to it than just an affair, from what I understand, and maybe the way that he treated this person. But... I also know that it's, this is a one-time thing as we know what the NBA's done, the investigation. And, you know, that's the big thing. The Rockets said, Hey, we talked to the NBA and that's, that, that's all you can do. You can't expect the Rockets to be the FBI here. They, they got to talk to the NBA that we know did their due diligence because they knew Udoka was going to come back into the NBA at some point. Once
1: again, we know the NBA is a very progressive league and, and uh, especially in comparison to the other major leagues. So, I don't see a world where there would be something that warranted him that not being able to get a job within the NBA, and they would still let it go for it. So I'm just going to trust in that. And I'm sure if there was something that was that egregious that happened with between the two of them, um, it would it would have leaked or something would have come out by now. From what I've known from the people I've talked to, everything was consensual. I think the power dynamics is definitely something that Um, To keep in mind, I think that's probably where the most inappropriate things might have happened is obviously she was somebody that worked under him. Um, And so that that is going to be where you have your biggest issues. But as far as like criminal or anything like that, it was none of that. If if that's something that you dislike in your coach, then I'm all for it. But I think, uh, you know, people are taking it too far. I think they're equating it with like, you know, some assaults and things like that. It's nothing like that. There there is some, you know, it's more nuanced, but it's not criminal. So, yeah, I just I've just seen some weird, uh, p- weird takes on, on on this matter. But like he said, he's you know he's done what he's he's supposed to do. Um, he's you know he's he's it's helped him grow, and I'm sure that you know he's hurt a lot of people around him. But you know, to Tillman's point, I didn't like the way Till Tillman phrased it. I'm a Christian, but I just don't think you should assume everybody's a Christian in the world. But the general point Tillman was trying to make is that people deserve a second chance. Like, do you want him to just go off and die somewhere? So I think this is a great story for Emay to come in here to Houston, work with us. We're at a low point. You know, we got him on the low. So he is a, definitely a, a, a distressed asset. And it's a blessing for us to be able to get him in here. And I hope it is a great redemption story for him for, uh, of, to come here and change a franchise that was trending in the wrong direction and bring us back to some sort of uh, competence and relevance.
0: I want to get back to Udoka in a second and on-the-court stuff, but uh, you mentioned Tillman, and one of the things I want to get your thought on was Tillman was asked about his spending, and I thought that was really interesting what he said. Daryl basically told him, I don't need you to go over the cap. There's going to be some penalties in some ways for us because these are our, aren't are our own players. If we do go over the cap those three years, that Tillman got criticized for two years or whatever when he took over as the owner. You know, he said he's he's he's... Uh, building that new practice facility over by uh, NRG Stadium, or no, in the Galleria, I think. But uh, what what did you think of what he said there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I was surprised to hear that. Um, I, I'm I'm sure Daryl, if he did say that in the way that Tillman is is uh, kind of saying, he said that. Uh, maybe he was looking kind of down the line, but I don't know. I don't know. It's it's kind of mixed because it just seems like it was just always so convenient to avoid certain uh, making payments on things like that, especially when you had a contender. I know people harp on, oh yeah, we we didn't want to sign Trevor Ariza or, but you think about like when they brought in James Ennis as the as, <laughs> as the replacement for that. It was just a lot of weird kind of things going on. I'm just thinking of, through the years. It just, to me, there's too many coincidences for it not to be a thing. So I'm not sure. I think somebody said Daryl has admitted that it's true. I just don't know what to believe in that. But I think where Tillman was as an owner, prior to the pandemic and when he first bought the team is a different spot than he is right now. I think he's definitely come up. I think his net worth has increased a lot since then. And I think um, that maybe at that point, he might've been a little bit more uh, conscious of his spending. I think now uh, especially he mentioned a $70 million uh, training facility. Uh, he's probably a little in a more comfortable spot to be able to go out and, and spend money on the team. And, you know, for the past few years, I don't really, I mean, what would you, I wouldn't spend money on our Rockets. Hell, I i, I haven't gone to a game in a, almost since uh, maybe November of last year. So I, I, I just, I understand like not spending on this team, but if we do go forward trying to build a contender, then at some point he's going to have to pay. Like, look at the teams that are in the playoffs, right? All of them, I think most of the times the teams that are in the playoffs, there might be a few exceptions or tax teams because good players cost money. Building a a good roster costs money. People want to judge coaches and players and GMs. Another aspect of competitiveness in NBA is is the the ownership. That plays just as much as a role in getting a championship as uh, any other aspect of it. So if if Tillman really does have championship aspirations, he's going to have to pony up some cash at some point down the line.
0: This new CBA, though, it's going to help him out. It's going to help some of the owners that maybe don't want to spend cash because uh, you're not going to be able to go in the apron as much as you, as you used to with uh, that. So I, you know, Frank, I mean, I, I feel like it, it's, it's going to be a big deal for the Rockets. It's going to be a big deal for some of the smaller markets too. You know, it's going to level the playing field to a degree. You, you don't get Golden State doing what they've done the last few, which I think is a little bit too egregious as far as the, the money that they've been able to spend.
1: I'm not one to stifle, like, if you got it, spend it. Uh, but I guess the NBA is like, I, it, it, they're trying to look at it from a competitive standpoint. So I understand they're trying to, uh, kind of have some form of, uh, you know, share competitiveness where it's not just the, all the tech billionaires that get to have the best teams, just be a better owner. You know, that's the only thing I can say. But yeah, the new CBA does, uh, incentivize, uh, homegrown talent, incentivize building through the draft. And I think, especially for, a lot of the young teams, us, OKC, Orlando, Detroit, all these teams that are uh, the bottom tier in this era, I think down the in a couple of years, you're really going to see it kind of come into fruition with all these, you know, with even something as simple as not, uh, you know, hand, handicapping teams, to only having two designated rookies on their, on their um, contracts. So that opens up a whole avenue of making uh, acquisitions of certain types of players. They added the... Um, the fifth year to the non-designated contract. So meaning that even if you're not the guy that's getting the big rookie extension, you can still get a fifth year, uh, five-year salary. What does that do? That means you're incentivizing keeping some of your, maybe Jabari doesn't get to the level where he's a, you know, he deserves that, 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 that designated money, but you still want him to stay in Houston and you can give him an extra year on that contract that nobody else can. So Yeah, they're definitely uh, pushing towards that. They've made some exceptions. I think the room exception is something that we may be able to use um, for teams that are uh, non-taxpayers. So it's like, yeah, it it incentivizes team building. I think it's a great thing because there are a lot of teams that do benefit from it. And for Tillman, like I said, it's not going to be right now, but at at some point, at some point with all this, if you're going to draft seven guys in the first round, potentially one or two more in this coming draft, if they pan out, you're going to have to pay You're going to have to pay. You're going to have to pay. OKC's going to have this dilemma coming up. OKC has too many good players. So they're going to have to they have some big decisions to make coming up. And at the end of the day, even though they made it easier, you're still going to have to go into the tax to really fill the championship roster. Unless you just have like a, you know, LeBron or something like that.
0: Yeah. And I think people don't understand that not all billionaires are the same. You know, you're the small market billionaires. They've got just enough to maybe buy the team where some of these guys it's just it's all monopoly money there's guys out there like Steve Ballmer and Mark Cuban where it just doesn't none of this stuff matters and you know he mentioned shooting in the press conference frank and he mentioned oh, yeah. improving the bigs and the wings so that makes me think of three free agents on the market this summer when he dropped that comment i thought of three guys let me get your thoughts one at a time you interested in Brook Lopez and if so what would you be willing to pay he was making 13 million in the last 2 years
1: That's shooting and bigs right there all in one package. I'm a big, big fan of Brooke Lopez. I think um, on our team, um, I think it depends on who else is on the team. Um, You know, I think Brooke would be a great big that you could play off of pretty much anywhere. He spaces the floor. Um, If, if we do get like a Wembyama, that's a perfect big to put next to Wemby because he has the body and the size and, uh, the shoot, the spacing to be able to work next time. As far as uh, just him in a vacuum, I don't know if he'd be my first choice, but, you know, I, I do like him. I think for his price range, 13 million, I'm sure if you can, I'd pay him, you know, this is why I'm going to say this right now. I don't want James Harden to come back to our team. So let's I'm just going to put that out front. So I'm assuming we're using our, our full cap space. I would pay Brooke Lopez in that same 13 to $15 million range, or maybe a little bit more to get him to come to Houston on a shorter contract, maybe a, a two year contract with a team option on a third year. And that's really where I'm at with all these guys. It's going to be two plus one with a team option. And I'd pay up front to, to get him. But I think, yeah, the defense, obviously that's going to be helpful. Um, him and Shane Goon, let's say as a, as a, as a big, uh, as a four or five duo, I think that's something interesting there where you could have a double big lineup with those two. But I think that that still would pose some issues. Him and Jabari would be interesting as well. So I think uh, if for me, my favorite uh, center or big that's available, even though he's hurt right now, would be Nas Reed. I think he you can get him for, you know, the 5 to $8 million range. He can space the floor. He's more versatile, um, not a like a super elite defender as far as like a rim protector, but he does a lot of little things very, very well um and um uh, yeah i think he's he's somebody that we could bring in a pretty good vet a hard work hard hard player runs the floor um i think he'd be good as well so but Brooke, brook is i think he's going to be the top center free agent on the market if we get him i'd be ecstatic
0: yeah i'm with you i'm not interested in james harden i spend that money elsewhere starting with Brooke lopez i would even be willing to pay him 22 23 million dollars in his first year in a in a sloping front, down, loaded. Yeah. On, yeah. front loaded contract because You know, if it gets down to 15 in two or three years, 15 is maybe 10, you know, with the new CBA. So look at it that way. And, you know, he's 34 years old. So you got to think of like maybe him declining a little bit as he goes along. He's been around for a long time. People forget about that. Now, the next guy I wanted to ask you about is Grant Williams. And we know what Udoku should have an end with him. He shot 40% from three over the last two years. You
1: want him? And if so, at what cost? man grant is a is a is a, a great player to have i think for us um i've i've you know when i listen to bill simmons about him they always make jokes about how he's always like the rah-rah guy on the team and the other older players are just looking at him like and people don't he's like 23 right he's a he's a pretty young guy so he fits our timeline he would be great i, I would i would love you know obviously the shootings they defensive minded culture setter type of player um Um, He, he would be that, that I think for us, he'd probably play the four um, a lot more, a a much better shooter that addresses multiple issues, defense and shooting and versatility, the payment for him. I'm not sure what he is going to want on the open market, uh, but for him, a guy that's been in the finals and played, I'm sure it's going to be around the 20 in the twenties, low twenties. And yeah, I would be willing to pay that for him. I think people have to understand that we have to overpay to get Uh, good veterans to come down here because of where we are in our rebuild most guys want to go somewhere where they can one obviously lifestyle is a factor but two they want to play winning basketball and play somewhere where they can be relevant right the you know if you're a young free agent you don't want to go down to like a charlotte where you're going to just never be on tv you're going to be losing games because your value gets depressed at that point so i think that udoka let's tie this back into him one of the things, I don't think Nick Nurse could have done this. Yudoka opens up a world of free agents for us that we might have not have access to. Not even just Celtics players. He's such a respected guy that a lot of players would just want to come play for him because they know that he's a serious coach. So I think Grant would be a great, you know, that's a great fit for us. A great culture guy. I think if you want to do some Jabari at the five, that's a four you can put next to him. Uh, and he would just basically be a super upgraded version of Jayson Tate. Um, he better shooting AJ Tucker actually yeah so. but there you go like he's he does everything Tate does like times 100 <laughs> he can he can guard a, a perimeter defender he can guard in the post um, he can you know he can initiate a little bit not as good as a ball handler but I don't need my four doing that right just get you a spot hit your shots play defense so not a bad pickup um, I'd be once again I'd be ecstatic listen listen you can't from what we just went through, uh, 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 Rob, there's nothing, nobody that you're going to say that I'm going to be, be unhappy about. Like we just watched two or two, three years of some of the nastiest basketball um, that you could find in the NBA. So I'm just excited to be competent again. So yeah, I think uh grand Orleans would be a great pickup for the Rockets.
0: All right. This is an easy one. I know you want Cam Johnson. I think everybody would love to have Cam Johnson, but how high would you be willing to pay Cam Johnson? Cause he's restricted. So you're going to be fighting in that a little bit with this one. What are you willing to go up to? I mean, is it twenty five? Could you pay up to twenty five? I mean, this is a great shooter, can play some defense, and if he's your fourth or fifth best starter, you can be a championship team. I think.
1: Yeah, and I think people need to reset their um, salary, uh, whatever their gauges are, not only with the new CBA, just with the what is a premium in the NBA. Three and D wings are are. The for role players, that's the premium, right? Because you can find, a uh, you know, decent point uh, guard play. If you just need somebody just to, you know, dribble the ball and pass, uh, you know, initiate offense, you can find a decent backup big to rim run, try to protect the rim. Um, but in between that, having a player that could hit shots, especially at the clip that he does, he's almost what, six eight. He's twenty six years old, so he's relatively young. What I've I've heard is that ninety million. Um, I think that's probably not as is is a little uh, selling him short. I would pay him 25. I've heard people go up to 30. I don't know if I'd go up to 30 for him, but I would pay him 25 to $28 million. And I think that's a salary that if you can get that four year, about a hundred, a hundred, a little bit o- over that in three years, when you're trying to be a contender, that's going to be a, that's nothing. That's nothing. That's going to be a, a, a six man salary. You guys remember we were paying Eric Gordon twenty two million. Uh, I mean, almost nineteen twenty million to come off the bench. So you got to imagine this is a guy that's going to be starting at your at your three um, for you, and he can play in the finals because I've seen him do it. Right, he's seen him do it as a younger player. He's a better player than he was now, and even tying in a player we're not going to talk about in this specific podcast that I've seen people kind of poo poo. And even to your point about like Donovan Mitchell. With the Jalen Brown, like, when I see players perform at the highest levels in the playoffs, that gives them a little extra bump for me because ultimately, no matter where you are as a team, you want guys that could be on the floor when you're trying to win a championship. And Cam fits that mold. Um, Jalen Brown fits that mold. The Donovan Mitchells of the world uh, fits, fits that mold. So when we see these guys and we're like, well, they're, you know, they're shooting, you know, 30, I don't care. Like, I've seen them perform at the highest level. So I think that gives him an extra premium. If you can get him between 25, 28, and if you, like, just really can't get it and you have to go up to 30, I would do it because I just feel like the defense, the shooting, and he has some upside. There's a lot of things in his game that you could still explore uh, with him. So, yeah, I think he, he'd be a great and a realistic target that the Rockets could actually get um, if they really wanted to. Once again, I just don't want James Harden coming down and messing up our cap space and flexibility. My ideal ideal world, you get a guy like Cam Johnson, you get a couple of those vets in the mold of, of the guys we just spoke about, give them three years with that last year being a team option, and you just play the waiting game. Who's going to shake loose? We don't know. Is there a, a player out there that may want to trade or, or may be a free agent that you never know what's going to be available, but you always want to keep acquiring good players and keep it moving? I just don't want us to be tied up paying $50 million to a 37-year-old James Harden. Um, I used to be on, like, kind of apathetic to it, like, oh, well, if he comes, whatever. Now I just, with Eme may changes everything for me. I do not want James Harden on this team. I think we have a culture we're trying to set, and we can move on from him and just go um, the way that we need to go.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've already expressed with Harden, the Harden-Jalen Green backcourt for the next three or four years sounds really bad. I mean, I get that. Ludoka is going to work on Jalen Green's defense, but it's not changing overnight. This guy isn't turning into, I mean, everybody thinks he's Devin Booker and and he's going to be Devin, but Devin Booker ain't happening next year. So, uh, and it might take three or four years. And meantime, James Harden is just going to get worse on defense because of his injury history, his age. And like, look at the playoffs, Uh, Frank. I mean, he has not finished around the basket like he used to. I mean, it's now starting to be a problem. And if he can't finish around the basket, it also closes down what he can do outside because now you can get in his space. You can get up on him. You don't care if he drives by you. So that means what is he? He's just an old head at that point. And it's really dangerous handing out money to a guy that's in his mid thirties has an injury history is a defensive issue and is declining right before our very eyes.
1: It's all nostalgia, bro. At that point it's all nostalgia. When James was at his best in the playoffs, he was attacking the basket. Because in the playoffs, his step backs, you know, his shooting kind of takes a dip because the D especially as the rounds go up, the defense gets more elite. They start taking away that shooting. Um, his Some of his best playoff runs, 2019, when we went um, against the Warriors in the Western Conference semifinals and in the bubble was him getting, uh, after the OKC series, was him getting downhill to the basket. And, and if he can't do that at a decent rate and get to the uh, free throw line, um, then he's in trouble because... It's, it's okay if Joel Embiid is playing like prime Hakeem Olajuwon, because I think that's masking a lot of what people are seeing. Oh, yeah, he's a great point. Yeah, he's he's passing in half. He, him and Embiid, most, I think like six or – I did something. Most, the vast majority of his assists are to Joel Embiid, rightfully so. But I think he also has the most assisted um, – Uh, like the percentage of his assist to one player is between him and Joel Embiid. So Joel Embiid is doing a lot of heavy carrying on that elite point guard play. Them running the pick and roll together. You take away Joel Embiid, what is James Harden? What is he? And then you take away the veteran team that the uh, Sixers are, you bring him to Houston, man. That's a nasty, like, I I just, to me, I'm I'm off of that. People could, you know, call me a hate. I don't hate James Harden. I understand what his talents are. He's a great facilitator. I'm not even knocking him as a guy that could get your guys, uh, help these young guys develop their playmaking, all that stuff. But it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. We should be, we have a fresh slate. We can build the culture we want. We have a great coach, some great young players, Tari, Jabari, Jalen, Um, You know, we're excited. We have cap space to get any player that we can try to go get. We have a draft coming up where we might get lucky and get a uh, school Henderson or, or Wimbiyama. Why go backwards, man? It just doesn't make sense to me. It's this. Hey guys, we should be happy, man. This is where we want to be. We've put went through all the crap to get to here. There's no reason to go back and drag some of that old stuff. We have a clear slate ahead. I'm thinking full steam ahead. Let's get some of these uh, good vets to come in here. Some young players to come in here and let's start building this championship. Yeah, one thing I think
0: fans might have made a big deal about is uh, Tillman saying all those nice things about Kevin Porter. Look, the kid was in the room. Uh, he just yeah. wanted to say something to him. I it, it, I don't think that matters for Kevin Porter's future. He's just yeah. being nice because the, the guy was there. People are like, well, he's sucking up to the coach. I, you know, Jalen Green or, mm-hmm. or some of these guys, they might have been – 2,000 miles away and the, all of a sudden they're going to announce a press conference the day before you expect these guys to just immediately to fly you know, in there. from their
1: country. Yeah, yeah that, that was weird. I think um, I'm actually I'm, I'm, KPJ has really shown me a lot and I, we've talked about this before. My challenge for him is if e coaches him hard and he shuts down, get him out of here. If he responds, then you might actually have a player there because all of these kids have been misguided. Steven Silas did a terrible job establishing the baseline of what you have to do during the, even though you are tanking culture, you can still build culture, accountability, all those things we've talked about over and over again. And he failed at doing that. So now I'm giving everybody a fresh start, even Kevin Porter Jr. And to me, for him to, I know the first day after the season, he was in the gym. He was in the gym. Now, whether that's good, I don't know if that impacts his game, but that tells me his mentality. He's a dude that works hard, a lot of his stuff may be misguided. he's young. I think the email thing might be the best thing for him if they don't trade him because he's also one of our most tradable um, assets on the roster. but if if he is on the roster and he stays, I think email Udoka is gonna push those buttons. think about who I'm talking about of Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, guys who didn't know what they're I'm the guy, I'm the guy. he set them in their right hierarchy. And I trust that he can do that with Kevin Porter. And if it doesn't work out, guess what? You can just pivot away from him easily. So y'all get the kid, you know, cut him some slack. He's doing all the right things. He's saying all the right things. I I mean, I don't know what else you want him to do. He he showed up for the press conference. He's a hard worker. He's in the gym. He stays around the facility or he's training in New York. You don't see him at Fashion Week or on a beach talking about playoffs like Jalen was. Not that I'm knocking Jalen for going on a beach, but you're, you know, just stay out the camera like bro you don't need to be talking about you're going to make the playoffs with a with a mai tai in the background you know with a with a under a, a hut in the in the on the beach while your peers like uh Evan Mobley, who everybody was making fun of um because he had a bad playoffs guess what he's in the playoffs hey rockets fans why don't we talk trash about other teams that have young guys in the playoffs when we're in the playoffs with them not when our best player is on vacation so just uh yeah we I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for every single player. Josh Christopher, what is he going to be like under you man Shangoon, what, what are the buttons he going to... Tari East and Jabari, they're about to get really coached up, and some of these guys are going to respond, and some people are going to falter. And to me, that's this is where we need to be. We should have been here two years ago, but it's a good time for Rockets fans, man. We should be all be excited about what's going on.
0: I just want to finish up with one of the things that really annoys me, because I was in a Rockets spaces. I can't remember if you were there, too, but the other day, you know, we're talking about Jalen Brown. You mentioned him. Look, it's a pipe dream that him coming to Houston, he's probably getting the super max. He's probably staying with the Celtics. But you hear Rockets fans, you know, well, I don't know if I want Jalen Brown because he's not a ball creator. I don't know if I want Donovan Mitchell. He can't play. D-. Look, if you can get a top 20 player in the NBA, you know, I said top 15, everybody jumped. Up, oh, he's not top 15. Well, he's top 20. He's better than anybody that's on this roster. Let me put it that way. If you can get really, really good players, all-star level players guys that have made all-star games you go out and get them i mean i don't understand this rockets team like not just all-star players i'm talking about with donovan mitchell and jalen brown we're talking about guys in their prime that have performed in the playoffs that you know show you all the things that you want from a guy that can go out and win a championship for you as a starter and a potential number two or three or even one on a championship team and you don't have to get the number one guy if you get the number two guy that's you're one step closer to winning a championship. You, you, you can't be so picky that, okay, unless it's LeBron James or Michael Jordan, I don't want to go. You know what? Guys don't want to trade you LeBron James or Michael Jordan, but they want to trade you guys like Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, for whatever reason. Potentially, that could happen. And, you know, I I know Will of, over in space. I, I like Will. I respect Will for the most part. But him telling me, well, these guys are always available. And, Frank, you say it sometimes, always available. You know, who's not always available guys that are in their prime 25, 26 years old guys that want to come to Houston, Texas. I know we all love Houston, but it's Houston, Texas. It's not LA. It's not Miami in the in South beach and all that. Oh yeah. LeBron changed teams a couple of times. Yeah. He went to South beach. He went to the Lakers. He stayed home in Akron. He, he happened to be a home guy and he wanted to go back to Cleveland where he started playing and where he had a home. Yeah. That that's a way that, that's why you got LeBron James, Anthony Davis. Guess what? He went to the Lakers. Paul George wanted to go to the Lakers. Kawhi Leonard wanted to go to the Lakers. Guys, Jalen Brunson wanted to go to the Knicks. Guys want to go to New York, LA. They don't want to come to Houston. And I get it. Chris Paul decided he was going to come here, but Chris Paul came here because James Harden. Okay. You had James Harden already. Right now the Rockets don't have James Harden, the MVP caliber, you know, guy that's like, right, starting out of an MVP type run with James Harden. You might think Jalen Green's that guy, but we don't know. And so I, it's, it, there, there's just like this fantasy world that Rockets fans live in that everybody wants to come here that, oh yeah, there's guys available all the time. And they're, no, there's not guys available all the time that are 25 and 26 years old. And I, I it just gets tiring trying to argue with people that like, like no, you, when an all-star level guy wants to come your way and he's got the pedigree of Jalen Brown or Donovan Mitchell, you don't think twice about it. You go like, yeah, I want to go after that guy with with draft picks that you would hope dream that they would be Jalen Brown or Donovan Mitchell level. These guys are, we're talking about two of these guys might, might uh, be drafted per year because there's, you know, there's like 24 all-stars and, you know, over the last decade or 15 years, all these all-stars have been, you know, drafted. So, I mean, come on, like guys, this, you're not getting LeBron James or Michael Jordan. I'm sorry. These guys are going to have some imperfections.
1: Yeah. I'm, I, I want people to go to look at all the, all NBA teams. It's pretty much the same guys every year. They might have one or two spots switch out. So if you can get one of those guys off that team, you're basically, you have a pool of players that are in this, this group of elite players that teams would die to get. And, and, and if you have a chance to get one of those guys, I don't care if they're on third team, second team, wherever they are, you go get them. And you figure the rest out later. Um, I, I don't know what, um, I, I don't know. I think it's just maybe a lack of understanding of like how the asset management also works. One of the benefits of getting a guy in their mid-20s, you can always pivot from them if it doesn't work out. Like, they're still good contracts. They're still young, you know? We're seeing players playing through their mid-30s. Guy's 25 years old, still has a good, what, 10, 12 years left in his career. So even if it doesn't, that's why, to me, like, the getting, it's more risky to get a James Harden and that people are very comfortable taking on. Like, hey, let's just take James. We could do this and that. No, it's easier for me to get a Jalen Brown even if all else fails and we flame out, I would I could trade him for something and not be just SOL, right, rather than taking on Agent Star. So I think people need to reimagine what they think about uh, how teams are built and, like, where we are right now. We're not, like you said, the destination where people want to come, right? People are going to want to come here for whatever reasons they want to come here. But if you get a guy that wants to come to Houston, willingly, and it's a all-star caliber, you, get, you, you take him with open arms. If us, any player wants to willingly come, if if Jalen Brown says I want to be in Houston, I would punt on our uh cap space this year just to accept him. That's how. Like if he says I want to come, I'm I, you know side wink wink. When I'm a free agent, let's say we don't even trade for him, I'm coming down to Houston. Then you make that happen because at the end of the day, when we took a risk on James Harden, most of y'all by those standards would not even have accepted him as a type of player that you go in and try to build a franchise around. Because guess what? You didn't know it back then. But a lot of the time, what you want to do is to find the guys that have the potential to get there. If they've shown it at a young age, in their early 20s, mid-20s, and they've shown that they can reach all NBA, all-star level, and they have 10 years ahead of them, you're on a pretty good road. That's a good trajectory. You bring them in. Maybe it's a change of scenery, a change of system. And then you might get lucky and get you somebody that can be a number one. But at worst, you have somebody that's proven they can play at the biggest moments and they can uh, support. Maybe you do get a number one through the draft or through free agency or through another trade. But um, it's silly to me. Like, you know, it just doesn't make sense. But I'm not even, like I said, I'm excited, man. We made it through, brother. All these uh, 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 podcasts we've done, talking about the dumbest things that uh, the coaching staff would do. I'm hoping we never, we can just talk X's and O's talk basketball this coming season where we can actually evaluate what the Rockets are doing on the court instead of the the post games and all this random stuff that goes on with the team. But yeah, I'm excited. It's, uh, you know, we have the draft coming up, free agency. I mean, it's going to be, it's a great time to be a Rocket. And uh, yeah, I think that we made the right choice as a coach and I'm really excited to see how they uh, formulate this team this year.
0: Yeah. It's going to be fun to see what Udoka can do with this talent because we've had all these criticisms with Silas. Now we're going to see if our criticisms were right. We're going to see what Udoka does and what's different about all that. Uh, Rockets Chop Shop, the place to go to find everything that Frank does. He's putting, he's going to be putting out videos um, as, as the summer continues. I know you, you've got some some stuff with Udoka and kind of what he brought, right? You have yeah. videos about that as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I did a, um, a, a post live after he was hired, just, but I'm going to do a deeper dive on him. Also look at some free agents. I think my next video will be looking at um, through each position, what are the top like top five free agents that we could look at that aren't really sexy names that everybody always says. But, um, yeah, we'll uh, definitely uh, tap into the Chop Shop, Rockets Chop Shop. And, uh, um, you know, we we do uh, still doing lives throughout the summer. So look out for those as well for the um, just live shows, live streaming.
0: All right. Pray for Victor. Thanks for doing this, man. (laughs) Hey,
1: pray for Scoot, too. I wouldn't be mad at Scoot Henderson if he was a Rocket as well, but appreciate you, man.
0: You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.